for the most part, no one will ever ask you questions. Mm -hmm. Like I, I remember my dad was at the gym and a guy came up to him and my dad's telling me about how this, he's like, yeah, this guy, he's telling me about how angry he is about the mask mandate and getting a vaccine and all this and stuff. And I said to my dad, I said, did you ask him these? He's like, of course I didn't fucking ask him these questions. <laughs> this guy just started telling me this stuff. Yeah. And it's like that to me is that's that's modern life now. Most, most people, people will not ask you anything. I was going, I'm going to take it to another level and say most people aren't even listening to you. They're just waiting for their turn. Mo mm -hmm. Most people, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, well, I, and yeah, I mean, I do a podcast. I get that. It's very hard <laughs> to shut up. I, I once cut myself out 18 minute monologue I did uh -huh. during an episode. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? 18 minutes I spoke uh -huh. straight. Uh -huh. You know, and I'm sure I topped that in this episode, but also, you know, it's hard to have a back and forth when you're talking about history right. in, in a sense. But no, I always like a feedback I always write to myself as I go through these episodes and I hope to improve is um shut up and listen more. <laughs> That's the hardest thing. It's very do. difficult. I have only recently and by, by messing up a couple times, by digging myself into that hole, have I realized the benefit of sometimes just reflecting and asking the right questions instead mm -hmm. of lending myself to what I believe to be the right contribution. Um, I've also found uh, a benefit in just keeping a, a kiss, keep it stupid simple or keep it simple stupid you know mm -hmm. uh just really keeping it at a fifth grade level i think uh benefits most people i think that one of the largest um things that bring down the scientific community as it benefits the greater whole of just the commonwealth uh is the fact that we find it necessary to use not common terminology that we require to use such of a high level terminology that requires such of a specificity of knowledge mm -hmm. that even the word specificity, I think is yeah, a I'm following ironic, with where you're going, with but you those. know what I mean? And so I feel yes. like that's really a great deterrent to a lot of things that a lot of people should know. And a lot of people would benefit from knowing, but just the verbiage in which we use sometimes well, is a barrier. I get that. And that's one of the problems with, Havasu is mm -hmm. I love Havasu I want to improve it but mm -hmm. it's like I feel like I look at Havasu like a like your problem child mm -hmm. where I'm like I love you and I just want to grab you by the shoulders and shake him mm -hmm. be like fucking straighten up your act but you learn from it but you have to you have to lend yourself to that lesson you have mm -hmm. to accept the fact that as much as you can teach it it can teach you so yeah, I feel like I Havasu that. can teach yeah. you personally if I can give you some feedback um, and I know you give feedback in private and praise in public, but I, this is a pretty private conversation that you are vulnerable enough to reveal your oh, thoughts. You've I'm asked for this. feedback, and that's the reason I'm even giving it to you in mm -hmm. the first place. I think you need to open yourself to having – I, I think you need to open yourself to be able to learn the lesson from Havasu and Havasapiens – as I as I lovingly referred to them as uh, Avasapiens. I've never heard that. You've never heard body. that. I love it. Did you come up with that? No, somebody told it to me in passing, and I was like, oh, I'm saying that God. from now on out. I'm never calling them anything other than it's, that. It's it's like an insult without directly being one, Isn't which it? is like a little a little fucked up. It goes right over people's heads. They're because it sounds like uh, 
it's sounds... Havasupians or like are at like well i get it it's it's like you're demoting them into another species like they're neanderthals in a sense and it's like but let me clarify but they're also I, I am people. a havasapien yeah you know so it's 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 like i i'm allowed to make fun of because i'm they live a in a dry of... climate in the desert where no life should be they are of another species as far as i'm i am concerned so i think one lesson you can learn from the lovely people that inhabit this town in the desert uh is that a lot of them, even if they, because every, like you said during our first conversation, everybody, I don't know if it was on the recording, but you said everybody here is not diverse and that they are predominantly middle-class white Americans that only speak English. There's but, a very low diversity. That's a fact. There's low diversity in how to sue. Like demographically uh, diverse. Demographically. But geographically but, and experience-wise, right. extremely diverse because no mm-hmm. one's from here. No one has kind of lived out their days with a with a very small, concentrated group of people who... Very few second generations. Yes. Let alone third generation. Yeah. And a lot of people have, retire here a lot of people come here as the next part of their career um the hospital attracts that thus that why i am here in the first place Mm -hmm. and so what i think you can lend yourself and will benefit from learning is uh having to need to kind of dumb it down keep it quick keep it simple because it's it's too damn hot to stand around and have a conversation for three hours like we have. You know, <laughs> we're do, we're doing this in spring for a reason indoors with two fancy water bottles next to me. Like so, I and I think that a lot of people recognize that already here, and so uh, I think that that would be a, a lesson well learned. And I and I and I hope mm-hmm. that you take that. That is my advice. That is one thing that I think uh, everybody benefits from is just keeping it extremely expedited, keeping it extremely quick, keeping it extremely simple so that everybody can understand it and retain it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find myself always thinking that sometimes the smartest person in the room is the person who talks the least. Oh, or yeah, only, the empty can rattles the loudest. Right. And I uh, and, and, and then I always say that, and then I always think, damn it, and I talked to the most during that meeting. <laughs> like, yeah, just, no, I get that. I'm still learning that. And I know that it's beneficial to uh, talk in a way that everybody can understand, relate to, and retain. Uh, and yet uh, I find it as a daily struggle to implement the lesson that I know to be true. Well, the U.S. Uh, Department of Education said that the United States, I think it's like 54% mm-hmm. um, is at a sixth grade reading level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I understand that. And, I've, and yet we're I've also the most thought. economically diverse and like superpower of the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, so... No, I've had that exact thought in relation to this podcast of mm-hmm. just, um, you know, how, what percentage of what I say does someone necessarily understand? Because most people don't know what a lot of the words that I say, like, mean. Hmm. And if you say a word um, where the context is not obvious to mm-hmm. someone, they likely won't understand the majority of what you say because then they're so hung up on the one piece mm-hmm. that you missed and I have a big vocab, which doesn't make me better at communicating. It makes me more niche at communicating. And you understand more. So that really benefits you at being an awesome and very proficient listener. Right. Uh, but I can't shut up. So so that's, that's the, the double-edged sword. So you have an excellent vocabulary, which lends you to be a great ear and also allows you to kind of 
pad your ego a little bit and communicate in a way that is just like, oh, you don't understand mm-hmm. that? Well, let me tell you what it means, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and that's just human nature, oh, you know? Yeah. Well, I always love, um, a lot of people take this as offense. Mm-hmm. I love when someone says something and I'll reword what they're saying back to them. Like, mm-hmm. do you mean like this? Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like it take something that and reword in a more elegant, like packaged way. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's why it's like, I love to watch like videos of um, just, may, it could just be like, why Cowboy Bebop is the greatest anime. And I'll watch a 30 minute video about mm-hmm. why it's great. And it's like, I'm already convinced it's great. Yeah. But I like to hear how does someone else in their vernacular verbalize why i like something because then it's Mm -hmm. like i can appreciate it on another level and then it helps me kind of market my appreciation of why i appreciate it and say to other people it's like yeah well i can package it a little easier Mm -hmm. in a sense you know you get your script in a way i i one thing so that sounds like shared experiences and and uh and kind of diverse um experiences and that lends itself to why one of my recent hobbies that I've undertaken and also because it's just so huge and it sometimes requires a a large barrier of entry uh, financially, which usually lends itself to being more fun of a hobby for me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, if spending money is fun when you've never really had any. I think a lot of people will agree with that statement. Um, you just kind of find yourself being like, oh, I can I can spend a lot of money doing this or I can spend a little bit of money doing this and there's a medium part where I'm going to occupy myself knowing that there is something to obtain mm-hmm. at a higher financial level. Anyways, I'm getting a little bit too philosophical about whiskey tasting. I, <laughs> I like, I really like tasting whiskeys and doing whiskey tastings because I, and I like doing it in a group. I very rarely will drink alone, uh, honestly. And the reason that I like it is not so much due to uh, getting drunk in the end of it. Cause very rarely do I just get sloshed. I'll get, I'll get a little tipsy cause it's alcohol and I'm drinking it straight usually. But one thing I really, really, really enjoy doing is giving five people the same glass, including myself. Maybe I'm the most seasoned person. Usually I am, uh, somebody, this is their first sip of whiskey ever. Somebody's makes Jackson Cokes every weekend. And then another person kind of knows the difference between a whiskey and a rye and a scotch, right? So you kind of have those tiers. Mm-hmm. And I really love seeing what other people will say and describe it as I've had a person describe it as feelings. They're like, Oh, this, oh, is, interesting. this is like sunlight on my skin in fall time you know what i mean i'm like absolutely fucking not but i love it like and so uh that's one thing that i've really found to enjoy and i later realized that i don't like it because of the taste i don't like it because of the cost necessarily i like it mostly because of the shared experience okay and so that's a hobby that i think really lends itself to that that concentrated shared experience because you the whole point of doing it together is to then share what your expression is like Mm -hmm. what do you smell what do you taste what do you you know well that was one of like my big motivators with like doing this podcast is like um everyone is a human being that currently exists and at the time that i'm talking to them uh they have up to this point chosen not to kill themselves (laughs) so why have you not killed yourself Uh you know it's like this this reality is pretty harsh there's a lot of suffering yeah it's pretty hard to it's pretty hard to want to continue to exist Mm -hmm. so you actively choose not to kill yourself why what's the reason i don't say i wouldn't say that i that's an extreme example of like it is i'm over extreming basically like 
I think I think I actively have to search for a reason that I wouldn't want to see what happens next. Yeah, it's funny you say that because someone who I had on in season two, Dennis, um, mm-hmm. I remember talking to him at the gym once, which is how I know him. And he had just had like a, like several bypasses for a cabbage coronary artery bypass graft yeah. where he was in there for quite a while. Here? Yeah, in, in this yeah. hospital. And then when he got out, he took his health so seriously. <laughs> and I said to him, I was like, Dennis, why care this much when you're old? Mm-hmm. Like, what, like, why try like this hard and he said a very profound interesting answer he said because i'm so curious to see what happens next because yeah. i feel like something big's gonna happen in the world very soon mm-hmm. and i was like ah oh, that's a good answer and i feel like it's it's only been increased in recent times because of this exponential growth that we've been seeing with the rise of technology and electronics and that you know mm-hmm. go back to Go back to as early as the 1700s, 1700 to 1705. Well, that's kind of a bad time frame to choose because America. Let's go back to, let's go 1600s, right? 1605 to 1610 in your little circle of experience. Probably not that much changed, you know? Maybe the blacksmith became a different guy and somebody got eaten by wolves, right? Mm-hmm. Like th- that's a bigger difference now in 10 years than there would be in 100 years previously. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And so I think that uh, living in the times that we do live in at the moment, knowing what the past is and what the future could be, potentially seeing our most recent history, I think that mm-hmm. that lends itself to saying, I, I just can't wait to see what happens next, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, everyone can like, feel it mm-hmm. you know like like if you like i always use like the npc analogy mm-hmm. many people are just kind of like on autopilot they just shut themselves off and become non-playable characters mm-hmm. and like they're just going through life basically like spiritually dead mm-hmm. in a sense and you can always tell when you meet another like character mm-hmm. you know you can like feel the life energy kind of like in them you can quickly grasp that from someone and it's like, I feel like I'm someone who I can talk to someone for five seconds and mm-hmm. like quickly discern a great deal about their character. And uh, in many ways that we linguistically portray who we are mm-hmm. in physical forms and stuff like that. And so I always am thinking about that exact idea and like how it applies, especially into like doing this podcast and like finding people to kind of talk to and where that plays to. So in the existence of uh, real people, do fake people exist? Okay, we won't get into it. The, uh, <laughs> the, the one thing that I think that we all can agree on uh, to, to wrap this one up is that... Aliens the, exist. Is that aliens exist. Tom Cruise is oh, somewhere you, above... You, you, you spoiled it. I was going to say the one thing that we can all agree on is that Tom Cruise is a real person. Tom Cruise is the only real person. Uh, are we are we 500 to a thousand no we're about 200 years short damn yeah we're we're not quite there damn it tom cruise could have been it so i think (laughs) i think that what'll happen is when the simulation shuts off tom cruise will remain it's like the holodeck in star trek where it's like it's just a big black square with some grids yeah and like when the when the hollow when the holodeck shuts off, like it's just like Captain Picard standing in there, and then right. it's just the simulations around him. I think when this simulation shuts off, it's just gonna be Tom Cruise. And he's like all where, of us. Where did anyone else go? 
all of us are the simulation. Tom Cruise is the only real person. That's right. That's the moral of this. I think what I'm going to do is just talk about Tom Cruise in every episode of my podcast and try to find a way to bring him up. The cruising every man. Every time. You, it's, it's no longer the Ferryman production. It's the cruising man production. This is now a Tom Cruise podcast. This is now a Tom Cruise podcast. There, there's your solution to your theological problem. Just talk about Tom Cruise a lot. You don't need, <laughs> you know, Tom Cruise you don't need to talk about your religion. That reminds me of a line in the 1983 film, Days of Thunder, where Tom Cruise says... <laughs> I, I see your I see your justification of uh, chaos theory, and really, uh, my reply is uh, highway to the danger zone. You know, we're we're really going down this path, uh, looking for a place to go. Bump 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 bump. Yeah, so I look forward to you uh, manifesting Tom Cruise and proving to me that there is in fact a God. I think I'm um, going to actually brainstorm ways. To where on a daily basis within my 24 hours, Tom Cruise will occupy a mental space in my head. I think I'll maybe put a picture of him somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think I should. I think I. Send out the vibes. I'm going to start sending the gravitational vibes out of Tom Cruise. When you and your girlfriend break up inevitably because of your obsession on Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Yes. <laughs> you you read my mind. I'm going to have... Um, I'm gonna have a, a race car bed in when I'm in my forties and I'm divorced. Wheels, it's gonna be Tom Cruise's face. I'm gonna lose custody of the kids and I'm gonna have a race car bed in the living room with Tom Cruise's pad. And he's he's gonna let me move in, but I'm just gonna have like a twin bed uh-huh. in, in a big cased uh uh, red race car just like the one that he the, drives in days of thunder the most you guys can do is like touch fingertips from afar and just know that you exist in the same place oh i'm picturing it as in i'm in the living room oh with okay. the race car bed and i've just kind of set up my own little corner of the room Full like in stage pre-divorce couple yeah got it yeah meanwhile um tom cruise has the master mm-hmm. bedroom as he he's, does he's letting me crash there because, because he is the master of the wife all. has kicked me out and right. i've lost custody of the children and I lost right. the house as well. And as they grow up, they wonder, now this is our stepdad, but we just call him dad. Who's our real dad? And, they, and she just goes, never say his name in this house. Mom, can we watch Top Gun? Never say. <laughs> okay, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> I don't know what I can say to that. I don't know. There's no, that's it. That's that's the end of the episode. <laughs> it's Tom Cruise. You fantasizing about Tom. Hit it. <laughs>